You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast devoted to equipping the members of Emmaus Road Church to make and multiply disciples of Jesus Christ in the city of Sioux Falls. The people of Emmaus Road are committed to regular rhythms of gathering and scattering. We gather corporately in worship on Sunday mornings. We gather in missional communities and discipleship huddles, and we scatter throughout our city where we want to give every resident of Sioux Falls repeated opportunities to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. You're listening to another episode of Make and Multiply. My name is Matt Gruden. I'm joined uh, today with my good friend Ryan Chase, and we're just a couple of pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and it is a joy, as always, to sit down and, and talk with you, my friend, and to uh, to sharpen one another and to mm-hmm. think on these matters. Um, it's so edifying. And we are going to pick back up in our kind of every other rhythm of going through the Sovereign Grace Statement of Faith. And today, we are going to dive into this next section called Creation, Providence, and Man. Uh this one covers a lot of ground. Uh, so yeah. we kind of went into it thinking, well, let's let's get going and see how far we get. And <laughs> if we have to hit the pause, then we hit the pause and we'll do part two. But um, it, these are just... And creation deals with everything that exists that is not God. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> no, little... No small matter. That little old thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, which includes us. Yeah. And we are we have a particular... Mankind has a particular role within creation. Yes. So uh, it's right to dedicate some time and some... You know, there's a lot of ink spilled here and has been spilled on these topics. Mm -hmm. And so, and yet, as with all of these, I'm just reminded, Ryan, as we've been going through these, um, the succinctness of Mm. this statement, the the brevity, but also uh, it it is a lot. A lot is said in very few words. Yeah. Brief, but broad. Yeah. And clear. And um, that serves us well because the aim, as we've said before, is to think rightly about God, mm-hmm. that we might know him and love him and worship him. So worship really is the aim of all of this. That's it's, right. not, it's not just a, an intellectual exercise for the sake of um, thinking or, or debating something, yeah. but to know God. Yeah, the aim is not just to put the puzzle together, mm-hmm. but to glory in what the puzzle reveals, yeah. uh, which is Christ and him crucified. Mm. Uh, so... I'm going to read this, this first section under creation, providence, and man is this, this first heading, God creates and rules all things. So I'll read this section, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kick it around. In the beginning, the triune God freely created out of nothing the universe and everything in it by the word of his power, all for his own pleasure and the display of his glory. God declared the entirety of his creation to be very good. And even in its fallen state, it tells of the greatness and it is and is to be delighted in and stewarded for his glory. As supreme creator, God is, a, is separate from and transcendent over all he has made. As sovereign Lord, he is present with his creation to sustain all things, govern all things, and direct all circumstances in accord with his holy and loving will. In everything, God supremely acts for his glory and for the good of his people in Christ, granting us great comfort and unshakable hope in God's love, wisdom, and faithfulness to us in this life and in eternity. Mm. Amen. Yeah, every time. It's just, <laughs> well, all right, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, a lot is said in there. And yes. 
there's a lot to be unpacked. But uh, I, I think in, with this one, I think we, we draw what caught my eye right off the bat. That phrase in the beginning, which is helpful, um, mm-hmm. it starts this where scripture starts in both the uh, the Old Testament in Genesis 1 and then repeated in John 1. Uh, in the beginning, meaning that what's difficult is that is because it, it, beginning is a time sequential term, yeah. right? When that thing started, there existed stuff before it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the beginning and then the triune God, which is important because that's that's continuing on from what we said earlier but then this phrase created out of nothing mm-hmm. the universe and everything in the world mm-hmm. everything <laughs> that that right there that doctrine that god's creation is creating power out of nothing we ex nihilo latin for out of nothing has tremendous implications mm-hmm. as it relates to other world religions yeah um that really do, again, can, so not only is the triune God part distinctive in all of world religion, but this creation out of nothing. See, mm-hmm. uh, if God had created with something there, something that was already existing, then he wouldn't have created everything, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there would have existed what, what something. What was that? Where did that come from? Exactly. Then you'd have to answer the question, where, that, where did that stuff come from? Mm-hmm. And why is that stuff not God? Uh and if he created out of using the only thing that was there, which was would be himself, then that has implications to the creation in more of a uh, a pantheistic that the creation itself is part of God. Yeah, not a creation, a created thing by God that has value, which we'll talk about, but mm. actually part of God. Yeah, the fact that he created out of nothing really has massive implications. Mm. I mean, would, would you add anything? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I, well, I think just comparing that to like atheistic materialism mm. and atheism still has to try to answer the question, well, why, why is there something rather than nothing? Right. How did this all get here? And so people posit the big bang and the idea that, well, out of nothing, there was in the middle of that nothing, this infinitesimally small point of matter or, so or something in, in the middle of nothing there was a something, there was something. Oh, right okay yeah. and and that you know tiny point of something exploded and became all of this universe and it just raises that question what is that where, where did that <laughs> point come from because if you have nothing nothing doesn't explode it doesn't blow up it doesn't turn into everything it, right what is that where does that come from and so um the contrast, or when you take any other pagan theology, you've got all these other world religions that throughout history kind of had these stories of the gods fighting, warring, creating out of the chaos of of that war, um, or out of you know the carcass of a defeated enemy or whatever. Very different than God and God alone existed, right. and and everything else that exists exists. By his word. I, mean, I think that that yes. phrase in that sentence, everything in it, by the word of his power. And there's an author who says, um, Nate Wilson in, in his book, uh, Notes from the Tilt World, just a great uh, reflection on that. Just knock on something in front <laughs> of you, pinch something, you know, just reach out and touch matter in front of you. What is this stuff? That science is always trying to ask that question. What is this stuff made of? And we try to go smaller and smaller to the, you know, microscopic level and the subatomic level to figure out what are things made of. Mm. And and at the root of it all, because you could keep asking that forever. Okay, well, 
what are atoms made out of what right. protons and neutrons and, but what are those made of? And well, what's at some point, what are we talking about? And, and Nate just says, it, th- this is all God's speech. This is right. his spoken world. Everything you touch, um, everything that you eat, everything that you see, he spoke it. That, yeah. That's what this is at, at its core level. Yeah. Well, that really does serve to, to think through this stuff matters, mm-hmm. and but not in a pantheistic. Right, we worship it as it's as an end of itself because it's part of God. Mm-hmm. And you're right that 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 <clears throat> infinite regress, if you will, of asking, well, what caused that and what caused that? The the cosmological argument of oh, anything that begins to exist mm-hmm. has a cause. That I yeah. think that we're, nothing comes from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Anything that begins to exist has a cause. Premise one. Premise two. The universe, everything we see, had a beginning. Yeah. Therefore, conclusion, the universe must have had a cause. Mm-hmm. And by its very definition, it had to be caused by an uncaused something. Right. So all, all, every human, every religion is trying to make sense of that problem. And like you said, the, the Greeks or the, uh, whoever is making up, well, there was this, what caused this uncaused thing? Well, there was uh, an, a, a battle in, mm-hmm. in the heavens or this Zeus got together with this God and produced this demigod or, or whatever. Um, and then he pulled land out of the ocean. Well, all of that has failed to answer the question, yeah. well, what caused those come things, from? Yeah. right? <laughs> Only the triune God, yeah. as we've described earlier in the statement, as eternally existing within himself before all time, forever, that answers that question yeah. of the uncaused first caused. And if he he has to be an uncreated thing, right? Right. Otherwise, he'd be a part of the creation. Yeah. So it really does answer the cosmological kind of that infinite regress of causes question of the triune God, and he created. Mm. He must have created out of yeah. nothing. But critical with this, not only what did he do, how did he do it by the power of his word, but why? Mm-hmm. What, what's the purpose? Was he? sad? Was he lonely? Was he needing comfort? Was he whatever? No, God created to display his glory. That's right. Um, Paul makes that abundantly clear in, in, in this, the opening chapters of Ephesians where this is for the pleasure, for mm-hmm. his own pleasure to display his glory. He, mm-hmm. And then in his creation, he calls it good. And I love that phrase, even in its fallen state, it declares the goodness of God. That's yeah. that's Romans 1, that's Psalm 19, that the heavens are declaring the glory of God just by nature of its reflection. It's what it was made to be. Mm-hmm. And so that that helps make sense of the world we're in because that when you look at a mountainscape or you look at the ocean or that, that feeling of awe that we have is the right emotion. It, right. it really is this sense of... It's spectacular. That is beautiful. Yeah. And beauty, all of that, that that all requires a standard and a artist, a mm-hmm. a creator. Yep. So God as a supreme creator is vital for us to understand creation. Before we can understand creation, we have to know yep. and appreciate. And the these things really do boggle the mind, don't they? When, when you mm. start trying to think about God uncreated, yep. creating everything out of nothing, because we... Uh, it's impossible for us to operate in that way. We can reflect some of God's creativity in our creativity. We can make things, but every time we make something, create something, we start with raw materials. You go go get 
the lumber or, you know, if you really want to do go from scratch, chop down the tree, yeah. you know, cut your own lumber. If you really you want to start from shape, scratch, plant, plant the tree, the tree yeah. 20 years ago. That's right. <laughs> but, but no matter how far back you go, you're starting with something. Yeah. Like you, you have to, you want to plant the tree, you got to get a seed from another existing tree right. and then you got to nurture that thing. But you, so you're always starting with something. You get out your your canvas and your paints, you have material, you, you, you sculpt your clay, whatever you have something. God works with nothing but his own words and his words create. And we, we get that Hebrews eleven three new Testament says by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God mm. so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Mm. Everything that we do see was made from nothing. Yeah. Just, just by his word. And we know that by faith, it's a, you know, one of those points we weren't there to see it, to observe it. How do we know this? Because God tells us in his word, this is how he did it. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke, let there be light and there was light and it was so, so we, yeah. we know it by faith and, and we accept it by faith because it's because it boggles our minds. We can't wrap our minds around the uncreated God infinitely existing, but we accept it by faith, yeah. not because we understand it perfectly, but because he's has told us this is who he is, what he's like. And, and the means of that creation also highlights to the to the purpose or the why, because how did God create the world? He created it by speaking, right? And what, what do we use when we speak? We use words. We use words to communicate. Again, this goes back to the very nature of our sovereign God is one of being a communicative being. He seeks to make himself known. John picks up on this in John chapter one, right? When he starts in the beginning. So he's referencing Genesis one in that creation account was the word, this halagos, the word. And the word was not only with God, the word itself was God. So there's this somehow the word that God used to speak was God. He makes it abundantly clear in the beginning. He was with God. All things were made through him. And in context, he's talking about that word. And without him was not anything made that has that that was made. So yeah. the the means by which God created the world was through His word, and that word John makes clear is Jesus Himself. Mm. So through Jesus, He was the the agent of creation, the, the means of creation. Yeah. So that which makes sense then when He says, "And then all things are for." It from him and to him and through him to him be the glory. So yeah. the very means of that creation draws our eyes back to the creator yeah. because, and not just the creator, not just God, the father, the person of the tree who is the, the chief, you know, architect and planner of this, but to the executor mm. of that plan, Jesus yeah. Christ, the son. That's incredible. I, I love John's language there. Without mm. him, nothing was made that has been made. That's right. All created things come through him. And in Colossians 1, yeah, Paul, Paul picks up draws on the same out thing. that yeah. same idea and the implications of that. It, it's so far reaching because there Paul can say, by him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. There he's talking about even spiritual powers, evil spiritual powers. Mm. And so scripture affirms Everything that exists. It's not like God made his good team here, but then there's this evil force that existed independent from him and he's engaged in the struggle. It's a great comfort to our souls when we take that by faith and we know God made all things. He rules over all things. Even the forces of evil in the world exist by him and through him and for him. Right. So they will serve his purposes. He will be glorified in triumphing 
over evil. Uh, it, it just, it, it secures us immensely. Right. That's exactly right. So this creation, not, not only did God create it, but uh, I think there can be a misunderstanding. Uh, this is kind of in the camp on theistic evolution where, yes. well, we, we, we look at the world around us and it's all, you know, obviously it's evolution just makes sense. It just had to become, but we're also Christians. So it had to ultimately come from God. So maybe God created the world and then set in motion the evolutionary processes and then just kind of set back as -hmm. if he were a God who just like putting a a top on the table. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, sure guys, something had to cause that thing to spin, but once it starts spinning, Mm -hmm. he he backed away. But well, well, that is addressed here in this statement. He is not, he is, uh, he is present with his creation to sustain all things. And this, this eminence next to and in tension with God's transcendence, where he is above and governed the, his bigness overall, again, is just such a unique feature mm. to Christianity. The triune God, his creation ex nihilo, creating out of nothing, plus the combination of his transcendence, his mm. greatness over all things, mm-hmm. his governance, his his majesty, his, otherness. his bigness, exactly, coupled next to his nearness. He, he Not just his nearness, he actually became one of us. Mm. The, the height of God's eminence is seen in the person of Jesus yeah, Christ, that's right. that he would take on our flesh. So he is near to us, which is such a comfort, mm-hmm. isn't it? When we it think is. on the doctrine of creation, you sit there and ponder like, oh, this majestic, which is right. Yeah. Those are right emotions. But don't forget the fact that he's also come to save yeah. you and forgive you of your sins and is present with you through his spirit. So there's just this majestic, powerful God who is also near Near to to us us and has revealed himself to us, not just generally through creation, but specifically to us in his, in the word and through his son. That that again is meant to draw our eyes back to the creator and to glory in his his majesty. That's right. Another part of this paragraph that really stands out to me and and is a, a passion of mine personally, that second sentence says, God declared the entirety of his creation to be very good. Mm. And even in its fallen state, it tells of his greatness and is to be delighted in and stewarded for his glory. Yes. Uh, I think that is essential to underline and and emphasize the goodness of creation, because Mm. I I think this is a temptation that um, Christians can fall into of having kind of a, a false dichotomy between the material world that we can see and the spiritual world that we can't. And we fall into more of a thinking more like Plato or um, kind of idealism or, or Gnosticism with this view that um, the stuff you can see is not nearly as important, almost bad, like a distraction corrupted. corrupted. It, It just holds us back. And we're trying to see through this to not be distracted by all the stuff in front of us so that we can see these, unseen spiritual realities. Um, so, you know, boiled down, it, it just spiritual, good, physical, bad. It can be sometimes the, the subtle operating framework that, that some Christians hold on to. but the doctrine of creation assures us this material world is good. Yeah. Um, so when we get to John three sixteen, for God so loved the world and gave his son, God made this world. Mm. This is the world he made. He loves this world. He gave his son to save this world. Um, and it's it's good. 
And, and so we are to receive it as a good gift, not constantly just trying to shun all of the material things. Yeah, we can be so afraid of materialism, idolizing material things right. over God that we fail to give thanks to God. And, and the remedy to materialism, don't worship material things, worship right. God and thank him as the creator, acknowledge him. Romans one says, what we fail to do is in our sin, we fail to acknowledge God as God. We fail to give him thanks as God. We fail to receive these good gifts from him. So, so that's the remedy. Acknowledge him, honor him, thank him, enjoy the gifts that he's made rather than seeing the material blessings, material good that we enjoy as a, a, just a, a bad thing to be shunned and, and avoided. Yeah. The, one of the existential problems of Platonism, this, this, Gnosticism, this this material bad, spiritual good, is that it dis- like the existential meaning. What do I experience? Is I actually live in a physical world. <laughs> like you tell me to despise the world or despise the material and just think on the spiritual. Well, what do I do tomorrow? Like, yeah, I got to go to work and I got to you know serve people and be in relationship yep. with people and have conflict with people and raise my kids in this world and all the well, that's all happening here in yep. this physical realm. <laughs> and, and, and God has so joined the two that it's actually impossible for us to do anything spiritual without our bodies. Right. Well, that's the, when you say joined together, well, yep. where is that seen most clearly is in, in us. Yeah. In, in this body spirit thing that we are. <laughs> yeah. So, so to pray to God, we use our spirits, yes, but also our mouths. Right. And we make audible sounds that are moving sound way, you know, creating sound waves, moving the air actually in, in the world. Right. Uh, when we sing and we, we use our voices and we raise our hands, like we, we don't do any spiritual thing without using our bodies. Even if you were to sit there and say, well, just, I'll just think, I will just meditate and try to, in my mind, right. escape the physical world into the spiritual realm. You're using your brain. You're, right. you're actually burning calories. Your, your brain is, there are electrical currents running in right. your brain while you are thinking that you, you can't think without using this physical component of, yeah. that God has given you. So it, it's just, it's impossible to separate those two things. God doesn't mean for us to. No. In fact, the hope of bodily resurrection is exactly. that God yeah. made the world, the doctrine of creation affirms the goodness of it, uh, the, the incarnation that God gave his son who took on flesh to yes. rescue not just our souls, but our souls and our bodies. Jesus was crucified in the flesh. He was raised to life again in a body. He ascended into heaven and he's coming back again. And so the angels told the disciples there before the ascension, just as you've seen him go, so he's going to come back again. So he's coming back in a body. We're right. going to be raised with physical bodies. He has a body enjoy. right now. He has a body <laughs> and, and we will have an embodied existence for all eternity. So I, I think the goodness of creation in the Christian doctrine of creation, again, that's very unique among, nothing's very unique. It's either unique or it's not. That, <laughs> that is unique among um, world religions. Yes. Um, where oftentimes just, you know, this world is bad and we're trying to escape it flee to some other dimension yeah. some other nirvana out there that's right and, and it's just your point is exactly right that god doubled down on the goodness of this creation when he sent his son to enflesh it yeah and to take on this actual physical world and then to die for it and then be raised again in a yeah. physical body notice and, and by the way at the end of luke he luke, the author luke makes it very clear in his storytelling that Jesus took great pains to show that he was not a ghost. Yeah. Uh, yes, there was some newness about him, the fact that he could... Yeah, glorified go, body for he, sure. He could all of a sudden appear, and there he was. <laughs> like, there was something 
odd about it, but yet he showed them, hey, look at me. Give me food. I'm, I need to eat. Mm-hmm. Put your hands in the cut. Like there was, mm-hmm. he took great pains to show that he was not this ethereal, um, you know, whisked off to some other dimension. Um, yeah. God. So that really lands us well to think, okay, this creation is, is a reflection of the creator. And so we can only understand this world in relation to God, mm. right? We can't, mm-hmm. we cannot understand this world on its own terms, right. Which, right? which destroys the materialist. Well, we can just look and see how things happen. And there, but because when we look at the world, we're inevitably going to try and draw obligations or oughts mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. We look at a process and say, well, this is how it works. And then therefore we draw a should out of that mm-hmm. or, an, or, or an ethic out mm-hmm. of that. And the problem with that is the creation cannot be detached from the creator. Mm-hmm. And science just observes what's happening. It's very helpful, right? And we're not saying don't do the science. Yep. It's very helpful in examining and understanding God's world, but we cannot detach the world from God because right. it's, it's his. This is our father's world and he made it and we are just functioning in it. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. It's a glorious thing to be created beings in a created spoken world. Mm. It is, um, it's, it's glorious, majestic, almost, you know, I would use words like magical or Mm. fantastical. It's just (laughs) the other day. Sounds um, like a fairy tale. Yeah. Watching my, my young boys chase fireflies, try to catch those. You just think this is, this is a magical world. There, there are, little things that fly around in the dark and yeah. light up in a field just glows like we're in a fairy tale. What kind of world are we in? <laughs> Adeline was doing that with your boys and she later she was later telling my mom what was the highlight of the night and she said running around chasing the bugs whose butts light on fire. <laughs> like that's a fairy tale. Like yeah. that's like a 3-year-old There's ma- no way that's real. <laughs> there are actual <laughs> creatures in our world whose yeah. butts light on fire and little kids love to chase it, after them and try and catch them. It's, you know, the, the, the book of Job ends with God just walking through all these creatures and saying to Job, like, consider this creature, yeah. consider this one. Do you know how this works? And do you provide for this one? And can you predict the, you know, reproductive patterns of, of these ones? And like, do you understand any of this? And it's, it's an incredible exercise to walk through a zoo and mm. just pause and look at things and, and think, what is is that like that it's real. Those exist on the earth and, and God spoke all of this just to marvel. I mean, I think that's, that's the effect of creation. Psalm 19 is clear. The heavens pour forth speech and declare the glory of God. Everything that God has made, all of his handiwork is just declaring and revealing his glory and, and we're meant to enjoy it. And I think that's what's so freeing about the, the biblical doctrine of creation is it, it just, it frees us up to enjoy the world that God has made yes. and to recognize, yes, it is fallen and it's affected by sin. But even this thought has just blown my mind. I don't remember what author I read who's, who pointed out. Um, just think of like harvest time in the mm. fall and how abundant our harvests can be. We have these you know big Thanksgiving feasts to celebrate the bounty that God blesses us with. What our fields in, in the farms today yield is still in a cursed world mm. where nothing is nearly as fruitful and productive as it would be in an uncursed world. Right. This took a lot of toil. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, I mean, like we've never seen what a field could produce if it were out from under that curse, if mm. it was redeemed. Um, I just, 
I, I think we kind of get a glimpse when Israel goes into the promised land and yeah. they're talking about, you know, fruit that's so big they have to carry grapes on a branch between two men. <laughs> like to us, we think that can't be real. Yeah, no way. But there is this sense of you know, God made this and it's so good. And when he pours out his blessing, it's just even beyond what we could imagine. And what are we supposed to do? Enjoy it and thank him for it. And to not downplay the the mystery and the the magic of this world. I yeah. mean, I just tried to explain to Adeline, she she knew this before, but she she just re she had a moment where she looked at me like, How do butterflies happen again? Like <laughs> tried tried to explain to her about this, like Yes. Yeah, you got the caterpillar and then it kind of goes into a cocoon and nobody really knows what <laughs> It happens just all of a sudden it cracks open and it's this whole new creature. Yeah. Oh man. And we just give it a big word and think we explained it, you know, metamorphosis. Yeah. But, but oh, yeah. all we did is describe what happened, but not yeah. how or why. It changed yeah. in a macro way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. But not wrestling with the like, well, we tell these stories, these fantasy stories to our kids. And may we not, you know, take on the the posture of, well, this is only that. You right. Know, this is like, uh, we know one yeah, of this our, is one an of, ordinary, boring world. Too bad I don't live in right. Narnia or yeah. Middle Earth or. Yeah, you and I both, we, we love the Voyage of the Dawn Treader and we love that scene where, where Eustace says to, oh, what's the name of the. Ramandu. That's it. Where he says, which, which Ramandu, which, who is a star. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, to was him, a star. Well, was yeah. a star and says to him, well, in our world, meaning this boring world that mm-hmm. you and I inhabit, well, stars are just big balls of gas. Mm-hmm. He says, well, even in your world, that's not all a star is. Yeah. Uh, and I so appreciate that from Lewis of reminding us that that this world is infused with just mystery and yeah. magic. And it is the greatest story ever told. Mm. Uh, and all other fantasy stories, all other novels, all other stories borrow from this one. Yeah. And we are actually characters in this story. And I, I, I probably are probably running out on this one, but... The next step to this is to examine, okay, who are we mm. in this created thing? Yeah. Because the good, the crazy thing is, is you and I, I'll just, well, I'll read this first sentence and then we'll, we'll be done. This is under the, this next heading, which is man's creation in God's image. God created man, male and female, provocative, in his own image as the crown of creation. Mm. That sets it up for next time. That sets it up well, because how could this world get any better? Hmm. Well, we put you in it, Ryan. <laughs> That's how it gets. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Okay. Well, we will. For we'll, next time. We'll, we'll save that one for next time. But in the meantime, look, look outside every once in a while and just go for a hike and, and, and not just marvel at the beauty of creation, but the, the, the sovereign God who's yeah. holding it all together, who has painted this world. Yeah. And I would add one thing that helps with that reading God's word and letting that shape your worldview, because like that point C.S. Lewis is making, we live in a world where we think with our modern science, we've figured everything out. We put everything under a microscope, we chop it up into parts and we just explain what it is. And we think that to describe what it is or what it's made out of is to solve all the mystery. And so now there are no more mysteries, you know, like what is a cloud? Well, just water vapor. And it's just this water evaporation cycle. And well, that's what a cloud is, but why? And and when you read scripture, there's language about, you know, God makes the winds and the clouds, his Mm. chariots. And, um, 
and, and we say, well, that, that's just poetic language. I, read it and, and look out at the world and, and let it, let that poetry describe for you what you're seeing as, as much more significant and yeah. infused with meaning than just what modern science tries to reduce everything to. And then just watch that that prairie storm roll across the Western sky and you start to get some ideas for it. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. All right, man. Well, till till next next time. time. (laughs) Thanks for listening to make and multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles or missional communities or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com. road SF.com.